Hello folks, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Scatterbrained. Scatterbrained! Where I, at the moment, is a, I've been taking the opportunity to prepare myself for conversations that I will be having with my lovely little daughter when she's old enough. She's only eight, we- eight weeks old at the moment. Her name's Aoife Daisy Jacobs, A-O-I-F-E. Has all the vowels in it except for one. We got rid of the U and put an F in. F-U. F, it's an F instead of a U, is what I'm saying. Crikey. So when she's old enough, she's going to be asking me all sorts of questions, like how do I avoid psychopaths? How do I deal with the redundancy that's a part of any creative pursuit? That was last episode. If you're interested in that, then have a listen. The answer to the question, however, is no, you can't avoid it. In fact, it's part of the discovery process. You need to have it. It's part of what it is that you need to do to achieve your outcome. Today's uh, episode, well, my little girl, she's going to come to me and she's going to say, Dad, please, can you explain to me how I deal with the ceiling? How how do I deal with the group think? Well, firstly, with ceilings, you've got to be careful. Make sure your trampoline is not indoors. What she's asking me, of course, though, really, is that she's saying, Dad, how do I get my own sense of excellence, unfettered by the standards set by others? And, oh, that's hard. We celebrate those people who are exceptional at something. We think, you are part of a very small group of people who can do that thing, whatever it might be, play the violin, do high kicks, jump through rings of fire, whatever it might be. We perceive those people as being at the top end of what human beings are capable of. And yet we continue to be amazed year after year human beings presenting themselves to be capable of what previously was conceived as impossible. And we see that with the 100 metres. The 100 metre race at the Olympic Games, they have calculated since it seems, I'm pretty sure, that there is a limit. There is, there will be a limit to how fast a human being can actually do run 100 metres. And once that limit's met, well, then that's it. We can't go any further. That's where the laws of physics are coming in and interfering with the notions of ambition and, and ability, sense of ability. Now, I've said this before in other podcasts, that we are all gifted with ability. Yes, we are. We just need to do the hard yards to bring that ability into something into uh, into fruition as they say to manifest because talent will get you about 1% of the way down the road and then uh, another 99% is perspiration as they say 1% inspiration 99% perspiration that's what they say they do But excellence is relative 
for the most part, unless you don't have a basis for comparison, and you'll see this in a lot of places. Well, I grew up in Tasmania, Tasmania, Australia, very small population. We have no concrete way of assessing our ability relative to those around us. So the bigger cities like in the mainland of Australia are, are, are fictional places almost. They're, they're beyond our comprehension to appreciate. When we go to these places, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's overwhelming and it seems unreal. So we don't actually have an accurate sense of what is excellent. We also are trapped in a sort of depression of sorts because we feel like we will never achieve a level of excellence that allows us to, to lever us out of the isolated existence and to make a, an effective move to one of the bigger cities, you know, and be, and be productive. So as a consequence, and this is a bit macabre, but when I was in growing up in Tasmania, for men my age, we had the highest suicide rate in the whole of Australia. So that's lovely, isn't it? But at the same time, we had the tendency to demonstrate excellence beyond what should be achievable for a very small population of people and spread out. Small number of people spread out over a pretty big island. Bizarre. So, for instance, back in those days, I was interested in acting, which I still am, you know, uh, but I love the comedy. I love doing the jokes. Stop it now, stop it. So, one year, uh, understanding, of course, that our, perform, our National Institute of Performing Arts... Dramatic arts, is it? NIDA. NIDA. Accepts about a thousand people a year and the thousand? Twenty. Oh no, that's right, they audition about a thousand people a year and they take the intake's about twenty people, something like that. So it's highly competitive. Highly competitive. And one year, they had five of those 20 came from Tasmania. Now, statistically speaking, that should not have happened because we had a low attendance rate relative to other states, I should expect. But it's because we don't have a basis for comparison in terms of what quality is that we are not affected by any sort of relativity or ceiling as such, or group think understanding of what excellence is. And also, Tasmania, fairly predictably, will always have someone in the Olympic Games. Often it's in things like rowing or running or something, you know, that's part of the lifestyle of living in Tasmania. But really, statistically speaking, Tasmania should never have anyone represented at the Olympic Games. It's just not. It's highly unlikely mathematically, I would suggest to you. And a lot of this is to do with, well, we feel 
that we have to work harder because of the isolation. We feel that it's a bigger hurdle for us to get over if we choose to leave than it really is possibly. You know, it's not hard to leave somewhere like Tasmania. You buy a plane ticket and you're, you're gone. So anyway, when my little baby girl, she says to me, Dad, how do I avoid being controlled by other people's understanding of what excellence is? And I would say to her, love, set your goal relative to the, the accepted understanding of excellence. And then ask yourself at every junction, at every, at every hurdle point, what else can I do? What is the other dimension I can add to, add to this experience that gets me heading in either a unique direction or gives me some clarity about what is truly required to be excellent? In many pursuits, it's... it's you fortunately, especially today, you can get on the YouTube and you can see people performing all sorts of amazing feats of physical, mental, uh, whatever it might be, um, acts. And you can get a sense of yes, for yourself where the uh, high achievers are sitting. And then you can, but when, it, when you do that, you then ask yourself, well, what am I missing? What else is there beyond this? Now, it might be that you're doing the 100 metres. You've reached the pinnacle, whatever that magic number is, that is the limit for what human beings, as they are constructed at the moment, are capable of doing. So then you've got to ask yourself, well, what else is there? What else can I do? Next thing might be that you look at the hurdles and you see what's the, you know, you look at some other thing that you can add that changes the focus, extends you. Always look for the extension outside of the predictable. And it's not hard to do because, it's, you know, Many things have, everything's connected. Everything that human beings do, some sort of, with, uh, with, within the restrictions of their own physical abilities, you know, like we can only do so much. We can't turn ourselves into, into gas and and float through air conditioning systems maybe we can I suppose part of us can anyway I don't know what I was saying there but the point is this you know within the confines of what you're physically capable of doing there's lots of tangents you can follow to extend yourself within a task or even without a task yeah alright so I'll say to her love look at the end of the day there's only one person you have to impress and that's yourself and you see it with comedy quite a lot. Stand-up comedy is very important. 
when you look at this concept because it's there's a tricky dimension to it. It's funny is somewhat subjective. Of course, there are things that everyone will more or less find funny. Now, it's great if you can be telling jokes about those things, then you're going to be successful. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Of course it would. But to get to that point is very difficult. And part of that is because of the other people that you are doing it with. Firstly, the more you start telling jokes, the more desensitized you become to your understanding of what is actually funny for yourself. So then you have to sort of go, right, well, I remember what funny was. And sometimes the things are still funny, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you lose your sense of humour, but you know. But sometimes you've got to hold on to a memory of the sort of innocence that you had about what was funny um, before you decided to become a joke teller. And that's, that's good advice too, of course. You know. You've always got to have a find the funny in things. Now, but what happens if you start mixing with, the, with a certain kind of person or a certain type of person who's telling a certain type of joke, then you become sort of like them in a way. And part of that's to do with the fact that of reinforcement. And that's the biggest problem with, with any pursuit where there appears to be a ceiling and, and there's a, a sense of excellence. There's a bit of a tall poppy syndrome where people very subtly push down on the talented and make them make them suspect suspect that they are not as talented as they thought they were. And that's a very subtle the difference to that is people pushing down on you because you're getting a reaction and you don't understand what that reaction is and it's not sustainable. Now that's a different dimension altogether. But they're very, it gets very subtle in subtle ways. It gets very confusing. Now, for those of you who are comedians, and maybe my little girl, she'll be one by you. You don't know. Just don't know. The way around that is very easy. Uh, dedicate some of your work, some of your concentration, some of your effort to writing clean jokes. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't tell dirty jokes. You should tell dirty jokes, tell any joke that you want to tell. And this is not gen- This is not advice for everyone. This is just general advice. So you can say, no, nah, no, nah, Adam. But it's a mental exercise is really all it is. It's just a kind of reset button for yourself where you kind of go, right, I'm going to work up some clean material, no swearing, no dodgy subject matter. It gets your brain going back to a sort of innocence stage, which I think you should have. Everyone should have a sense of what it was like before they decided to become a comedian. And if you can remind yourself of that, then you can sort of go, oh, okay, I can see technically um, where I'm where I'm at now and it gives you perspective 
Now, that's just an example of how you can become caught up in a sort of group think or a group acceptance of standard. Because a lot of the time when you're in these situations, for instance, if you're a swimmer and you go to the swimming meetings, you know, you can look at the clock and you can see what the world record is and you can get a sense of it. You can do that. Right? You start swimming close to the world record, what are you going to do? Start rubbing your hands together and go, oh, I'm here, I'm, I'm there, I've done it. I've achieved my goal. I'm, I'm a little bit more work and then I'll break the world record and that'll be good. That'll be. No, you're going to try and set a new world record that's going to be crazy, aren't you? You're always over-pitching anyway. <sighs> I feel like that could all come out a bit cleaner, really. A bit more straightforward. But it didn't. Anyway, I'll um, post that now. Thank you. Bye.